0: Welcome to the LearCast by Lear Capital, the precious metals leader. With over $3 billion in trusted transactions, the LearCast aims to keep you informed and aware of precious metals news and events affecting the economy, the dollar, and your savings. Visit our website at learcapital.com.
1: And now, here is your host, Rachel Mills. Welcome, welcome to the LearCast. My name is Rachel Mills. Good to be with you today. Today is August 10th, 2023. Let's start off with some financial numbers. The Dow is currently at 35,383 at the moment, up 260 points from open today, a gain of 0.74%. And the markets are still open, so we've got some room to move there. We've seen some sell-offs this week, likely driven by Moody's downgrade of several U.S. banks, which followed closely on the heels of Fitch's downgrade of the U.S.'s credit rating. More on that later. But right now, some preliminary inflation numbers are out, and the markets seem to like them. Yes, rent is higher, food is higher, but energy and airline tickets are down, so yay. Oh yes, eggs have come back down again too. Did you notice that? I did. So that's a small relief. Gold is at $19.48 per ounce. That is up $18 from 30 days ago. Silver is pretty steady at $22.75, up 4 cents or 0.2% today. It was right around $23 a month ago. Additionally, Bitcoin is at $29,429. And just a little housekeeping. Neither Lear Capital nor I are financial advisors. We sell gold. We love gold and precious metals. They're very shiny. We have thoughts, opinions, and observations about precious metals, but we are not your fiduciary. We don't know your personal financial situation, and gold or silver may or may not be a good fit for you. That is entirely up to you to decide. So take our commentary for entertainment or educational purposes only. Also, spot prices are spot prices. Anywhere you go to buy or sell, Lear Capital included, is going to sell for a markup and buy at a discount from spot, typically. That is called staying in business, which we also love and are very transparent about. So for more information on that, call 1-800-816-5452. That is 800-816-5452 and visit learcapital.com. Moving on to the latest top articles that are grabbing people's attention from various financial sources. Number one, CNBC brings our top article this week. The Dow sheds more than 150 points as Moody's Bank downgrade rekindles market sell-off. This article was updated several times on Tuesday following market activity following a downgrade from Moody's on 10 U.S. banks, including m and Bank, Pinnacle Financial, and others. Remember, regional banks have the most exposure to commercial real estate, which is in terrible shape right now. Some bigger banks were put under review for potential downgrades. Those include the Bank of New York Mellon, U.S. Bancorp, State Street, Truist Financial. Number two, the next article is from Bloomberg. Another story on central bank gold buying. China's central bank adds more gold for ninth straight month. China raised its gold reserves for a ninth straight month in July as central bank purchases continue to underpin prices of the precious metal. Bullion held by the People's Bank of China rose by 740,000 troy ounces, the central bank said on Monday. That's equivalent to about 23 tons. Total stockpiles for China now sit in an official 2,137 tons with around, around 188 tons added since November. The World Gold Council cites efforts to de-dollarize in the wake of U.S. sanctions against Russia for China's and other central bank gold purchases. Now, number three article along those same lines. Our third article is from Markets Insider. De-dollarization will be a vicious cycle as hyperinflation leads to higher rates that will further erode the greenback's power. According to Australian think tank Lowy Institute, they are using the H-word in relation to de-dollarization and talks of a new reserve currency. That's hyperinflation. Not just inflation, the hyperkind. Be sure to check show notes for links to these articles to read them in full. If you like the email version of our weekly headlines, head on over to learcapital.com and subscribe to gather valuable insight for your precious metals decisions right in your inbox. Now moving on to our interview section, this week is part two of my sit-down with our company's founder and owner, Kevin DeMerritt. We discuss central bank digital currencies and increased control and surveillance of your money and transactions this week. Once again, let's get Kevin's Insight. All right. So welcome, Kevin Demerit, to the Learcast. It's great to have you today. You are the founder and owner of Lear Capital, where I work. I wanted to talk with you a little bit about, uh, digital dollars and central bank digital currencies. Why, Kevin, do you think we are hearing so much lately about the digital dollar all of a sudden? Um, and what's different about uh, the status quo? In other words, I don't handle cash in large amounts on a daily basis. Uh, I pay my mortgage and my bills online on bill pay. I never handle cash. I'm not handing over handfuls of cash to pay my mortgage. It's all blips on the screen anyway. So what's the difference between like online banking and like central bank digital currencies that people are are talking about so fearfully? What
0: are your thoughts? Yeah, so so you had two questions. One, why, why, do, you, why do I think we're headed to a digital currency? Um, and, and then what's the difference? So mm-hmm. the first question is, I think there's two reasons, and I really don't believe in coincidences. I think the big reason for the Fed digital dollar is what we spoke about previously, which is a new international currency. If you get a new international currency and you get trillions of dollars repatriated back to the United States and you have hyperinflation, you can control the currency much quicker by taking away a zero, just like Mexico and other countries Brazil has have done in the past, mm. um, by just stripping away some of the debt and stripping away you know, a zero. So the value of your currency falls and you can control the inflation and all the new money coming back into the system that way. So again, don't believe in coincidences. I still believe that the the dollar's in the ninth inning as the reserve, world's reserve currency.
1: Ooh, the we, ninth we, inning? We, what do you mean ninth, by that?
0: Well, you, the world's reserve currencies typically last 75 to 100 years, and we're kind of to the end of that with the U.S. dollar. Um, and the, throughout history, it, it's kind of played out the way that this is playing out. Countries want something new. They want something more stable. The debt increases on the world's reserve currency, whichever one is out there. The government's spending money like drunken sailors. The next thing you know, mm-hmm. somebody says, Hey, look, this is getting out of hand. I want something more stable.
1: Apologies um, to drunken sailors. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. um, but the, uh, so th- that's one reason. The other reason is when you start creating this much debt and printing up this much money, the government needs to control. Uh, people a little bit more. Typically what you've found throughout history with nations, with dictatorships, countries, if you're increasing your money supply or increasing your debt faster than an economy or your economy is growing, then you're creating funny money. And at some point, it just doesn't work anymore. You know, we used to create a dollar and it would create a dollar 50s worth of economic output. It takes a dollar to create about 35 cents of output today.
1: Oh wow! You take a
0: dollar of spending, and or the dollar that the government prints up, and it only creates about thirty-five cents worth of actual economic value. So, uh, when you start to see that, you, you you really need to control your citizens because you've got to pay that interest on thirty-three trillion dollars worth of debt. Um, hey, if I can follow you around and your wallet is actually part of the Federal Reserve, it's not even part of a bank anymore. It's Hey, my wallet is is part of the the Fed Now coin. I can control you much much better. I can grab some of your privacy. I can look and see what you purchase all the time. I can look and and uh, see what political affiliation you might have or who you're sending money to. You know, a lot of privacy right there, which means probably a lot of your rights may be uh, taken away. Um, and it's very customizable a digital dollar. So. I can charge you for tax instantaneously and a, a lot of other issues that we can talk about. But I, I think control and because of this new currency coming would be the two reasons that uh, they would want this digital dollar. Mm. The, the, your second question, which is, what's the difference? Well, there's a big difference. Your money sits at a bank and if you want to buy something from Amazon, you simply send your money to Amazon. With the new Fed now coin, you want to buy something at Amazon? The money goes to the Fed now clearing system, and then would go to Amazon. They see everything you purchase. Uh-huh. every purchase you make has to go through that system, so that they can see Amazon. Did you purchase a weapon? Did you? What, what's your political affiliation? I mean, they can look at all of that. Um, so that's a little scary from a privacy standpoint. Um, And that would be the major difference. The other difference really is the Fed's controlling all of this as opposed to, you know, your bank.
1: Banks. And the banks are, you know, pretty well captured, but still that it's one step removed from the actual Fed. (laughs) Um, That's concerning. Yeah.
0: Sure. I mean, there's a lot of other things, you know. um, Hey, you use up too much water or energy because of the green movement. Uh, Do they charge you automatically for that? I mean, they can see everything you've purchased. And if, if, if energy gets out of hand, they just say, well, I'm going to charge you more uh, as a penalty. Um, you know, somebody brought up the fact that they could charge an expiration date on your savings to get you to go out and spend money. And I know a lot of people would think maybe that's a little crazy. But in 2008, that's exactly in a different way what European banks did when, inter- when they lowered interest rates. The banks basically were charging people a percentage to have the money at the bank. So it was called negative interest rates. And you basically put your money in the bank and they would charge you a half a percent or a percent to hold your money in the bank. The government and the banks want you to go out and spend your money because that's what moves the economy along. Well, with the digital dollar, I just put an expiration date in there. And, you know, if you don't use spend it or lose money, it, you get Yeah, you get a little penalty. Again, may sound crazy, but that's exactly what is happening in a, in a different way with the Chinese digital lawn. There's a social program attached to that. Social
1: district. credit system, yeah. A social
0: credit system. So what is it? I get extra credit because I'm spending, and then I get even more credit because I'm spending on the things you want me to spend on.
1: Yeah.
0: So that's what can happen with digital dollars that really can happen with paper dollars. Um, and how the heck are they even going to uh, implement this digital dollar? Right? Is it a one for one type situation? And what happens if I have money for a rainy day under my, uh, you know, pillowcase or a coffee can in the backyard? And I was just holding it, like I said, for that rainy day. And then I take it into the bank when the digital dollar uh, comes. And um, what do they do? I get an audit because all of a sudden I showed up with some cash, right? Uh, so I think there's a lot of questions people have and are nervous about this. Mm-hmm. Um, rightfully so. Because there's a lot to be nervous about. Um, we've been losing privacy and rights for some time, and, and this would give them even more power over you know, your money.
1: I think it's pretty clear that the government hates cash, and they are looking actively looking for ways to become cashless for the reasons you just described. Um, well, yeah,
0: and not only did they it's, – it's the question of why do they hate cash?
1: Right, yeah,
0: yeah. because they can't track it. Right, they don't know what you're doing with the cash, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so they put in implementations on programs, and you know that that even we have to follow. Know your customer, which is great. I don't want to, you know, sell anything to a terrorist or somebody who's, you know, illegally not paying their taxes and so on and so forth. But you get past that, which I think is a smaller percentage of the people than the people who actually pay their taxes and aren't terrorists. If I had to guess, then I'm losing a heck of a lot of rights.
1: Yeah, um, and and then the question becomes: Who defines what a terrorist is? <laughs> a Canadian sure. trucker is that a terrorist? <laughs> yeah, you
0: know.
1: yeah. So, uh,
0: and, and 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 one one big concern I have uh, comes from the fact that China and Russia uh, have threatened. You know, maybe not through the government, but we hear about it a lot. Maybe we could, uh, you know, put malware into the uh, electric. System in the United States, right? Mm. Or the banking system. Well, look, if it's a digital dollar and they can put some malware into the computers, this isn't decentralized like Bitcoin, where there's thousands of computers around the world and somebody's going to get it right. Um, and there's still even problems with that. This is centralized. This is the Fed. All I need to do is get in there and start messing around uh, with how that affects your wallet and how you can spend money or even if your money's in there or not. Yeah.
1: How um, long will it take someone to figure out how to hack or exploit that system?
0: Correct. And yeah. if you don't have, I mean, look, what you look on the dollar, it's a full faith and credit of the United States, right? Well I'm not going to have too much faith or you know, credit in the United States if if my wallet disappears, my digital wallet disappears, and I can't go out and purchase groceries or medication or whatever you know people need. So
1: and can you imagine what the customer service experience might be if something happens to your digital wallet with the government?
0: Yeah, it'd be the same as the IRS, you know.
1: <laughs> or the DMV. That's so an answer,
0: right? So, yeah. Wow. Um, so those are some of my concerns. And, and mm-hmm. I'm sure others have, you know, more concerns or the same concerns. But we just have to be really careful on how much control people are willing to give up Um for some more convenience, right? Um, there's a little convenience, there's a little, some of your privacy and some of your rights go away.
1: Yeah. And these things are always introduced as convenience and time-saving measures. And then, and then you become dependent and then they have control. Oh yeah. 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 So backing up a little bit to like a more macro view, um, Why is your outlook on the economy so negative? Well, first of all, is it negative uh, right now um, on the economy and the dollar? And what do you think the biggest threats are and how can we avert and defend ourselves, both as a country and as individuals? What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, look, the, the economy goes up and down in cycles. And long term, I still think the United States has, you know, is the greatest place to live, and it will continue for a long time, and hopefully, past you know when, when I'm not here anymore, to be the greatest uh, economy out there. The politicians and the government, in my personal opinion, have ruined some of the natural economic cycles with unnatural money printing and the amount of debt that they've uh, accumulated. And so what you're seeing in 2000 with the dot-com bubble, and 2008 with the real estate uh, bubble, it's a debt situation. I've increased the debt so much. I mean, you start in 2000, we have $5.6 trillion worth of debt in the United States. We're at $33 trillion. So it took 100, 100 and some years to get to $5.6 trillion, and it's taken from 2000 to where we have 23 years. You know, to add on another what twenty seven million dollars or so, yeah. twenty seven trillion dollars worth of debt. It's a lot faster than the economy is growing, and usually yeah. when you see that, that's when people start getting nervous. That's when the dollar starts depreciating faster and faster and faster, which is exactly what has happened. Um, and you start to see the inflation and 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 other things. So. Short term until somebody wakes up and says, hey we need to get this budget under control we cannot be spending one and a half trillion dollars every single year and printing up this kind of money uh to support an economy uh, with that's th- th- just un- unacceptable and unsustainable right I mean I just saw an article here where the the projection for the budget was 1.5 trillion dollars for 2023. And here we are at 1.16 trillion already. We're just over halfway through the year, and over
1: budget. That's shocking.
0: We're, we're, yeah, we're completely. We're going to be way over budget. It's going to be a two trillion dollar year, if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. And you can't keep doing that. Every dollar you print makes all the dollars out there worth a lot less. Yeah. So they need to get this under control, or it's going to get out of control. And cause economic fluctuations like 2008 and 2002 and 1929 look like kids play. You yeah. just cannot print up this kind of day. Every it, just look, people should look at history and educate themselves when the government prints money like this, what happens to their currency, what happens to their savings, um, and the quality of life. And that's what we're trying to protect against.
1: Well, I spent five years on Capitol Hill and I know that the chances of, Washington cutting spending are very, very low uh, because at the end of all of those checks that they write is someone on the receiving end who will scream bloody murder if their gravy train is taken away. So it's very, very difficult to imagine Washington uh, suddenly uh, realizing budgetary responsibility.
0: Well, yeah. And in the I think the other part to this that people may or may not understand, but I'll I'll just explain it for people who are curious about this, is there's what's called on-balance sheet debts, and then there's off-balance sheet debts. Mm
1: -hmm. And the
0: on-balance sheet debt is what you see at the $33 trillion. What you do not see is the, for most people anyway, is the off-balance sheet liabilities, which is... Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid.
1: And those are the big ones.
0: And that's $70 trillion. So the true debt is over $100 trillion in the United States. Well, um, when does that become on balance sheet debt? Well, if I owe a trillion and a half dollars more than I've taken in and I need to pay that Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security for all the people that are retiring now, then I need to borrow that money, and it becomes on balance sheet debt. And that thirty-three trillion could easily go to forty or fifty trillion, yeah, almost overnight, in five, six, seven, eight years, because I've borrowed the money for the from the Social Security and from some of those programs, and now I have to pay it back with borrowed money. So that that on balance sheet debt could go through the roof. So we really need to get the trillion and a half dollars to two trillion dollars a year that we're spending now under control. This off balance sheet will go to an on balance sheet, and then balance the budget somehow by taking in more money than we're spending, so the dollar just doesn't completely collapse along with, you know, the economy and a lot of other investments out there. That that is my biggest concern, and I'm not quite sure somebody's figured out how to stop the spending, uh, which could cascade into a complete collapse of uh, value in in assets.
1: So, it's difficult to uh, trust Washington to do the right thing and get us off of the runaway train. But as individuals, what can we do?
0: Well, again, you want to buy you you want to buy real assets that can't be printed. I don't care if it's real estate, art, um, gold, silver, platinum, palladium. things that can't be printed, things that that are that are have value uh, can be purchased, bought, and sold diamonds, whatever it is. It may sound a little nutty, but you know, think about real estate. I can't make any more real estate. So if you print up a bunch of dollars, that real estate that can't be printed is going to become worth more and more. Uh, if you can't print gold, mm-hmm. um, you can only mine so much per year. And it's been about the same for the past 25 years now. That's going to become more valuable. Yes. Tangible
1: and scarce. C- correct.
0: Yeah. And, and extremely liquid. So you can liquidate it at any time. But If you think about the example I brought up in 2000, we had $5.6 trillion worth of debt. In 2000, approximately gold was trading at about $275 an ounce. Silver was trading about $3.75 an ounce. The price of gold today is almost 2000. And the price of silver is $25 today. My dollar is down 40% since 2000, right?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. My The value of my gold is up seven times and the price of silver is up around the same.
1: Yeah.
0: I offset all of the loss in the depreciation and the value of my currency. So so,
1: So it's not so much about like getting rich quick off of your precious metal stash, but offsetting losses elsewhere.
0: Well, you're offsetting losses, yes, but if we if we take it another example and I'll use the exact same time period so people can just follow along with the exact same time period. If you put a hundred thousand dollars in the stock market in the year 2000, not counting uh, dividend payments at this particular point. so I'll just use the Dow Jones, today you'd have around three twenty thousand dollars or so. If you would have taken $80,000 and put it in the stock market in 2000 and $20,000 and placed it into gold, you'd have approximately $385,000 today. Oh, You have $65,000 extra dollars in your bank account because you diversified into an asset that can't be printed.
1: And so you probably I say, got a much more stable portfolio too.
0: Correct. About 100%. So, so stocks can be issued. They can be purchased back. So you're going to get some fluctuations in mm-hmm. in in, in, the, in stock. You can't do that with gold. Whatever's out there is out there. I can't make mines mint or uh, pull any more out of the ground than they have been. And I know exactly what's sitting on the top of Earth right now. So that's why for five thousand years, gold and silver have been, uh, you know, a currency, and will continue to be a currency in my opinion uh, for. a heck of a lot longer than I'm going to be here and will be stable because you cannot get it out of the ground any faster than we're getting out of the ground. Now we have to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the earth. So even with new technology, we can't get any more out of the ground. So that's going to prohibit the government printing um, from taking over real assets like real estate and gold and other assets that obviously can't be printed.
1: Last question before we run out of time do you personally have a favorite gold coin?
0: And I, funny enough, I get asked this all the time. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a favorite coin. I don't have a favorite gold bar. Um, I have a lot of different coins and a lot of different you know, bars. And there's different um, types of gold. So you can have just you know plain bullion in a bar or a coin form. You can have a limited issue coin that's somewhere in between, and you can have you know rare coins um, that have done extremely well, uh, you know, against the price of even gold or silver or or the economy. So really, it's sitting down and, and and asking someone just like you would diversify a portfolio. How did I? How do I diversify my my precious metals portfolio so that I can get? The best bang for my buck that I can get, the best kind of appreciation, lowest downside risk. And it's it's all about diversification just like any other investment.
1: So what I'm hearing is it's like picking a favorite child. You just love them all, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's about all the time we have today, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining me on the Learcast. If anyone would like to call Lear Capital and make your move into precious metals today, the number is 1-800-816-5452. Again, that's 1-800-816-5452. Thanks so much for that, Kevin. Very insightful. Moving on to our commentary for the week. This was released to the website, to the blog, August 8th. And this is on the Fitch downgrade. Fitch just downgraded the U.S.'s credit rating, and that is another domino to fall for the U.S. dollar. So why did they do this, and what does it mean? Fitch is a credit ratings agency like Moody's and Standard & Poor's. They cited debt and contentious debt ceiling negotiations as spooking them a little on the U.S.'s financial position. Relative to those two issues, this was a teeny tiny movement in response And I've got a chart showing the trajectory of our debt basically going vertical starting in around the year 2000 and getting really alarming right around 2020 for some reason. Now, who can forget the biannual debt ceiling negotiations and the political brinksmanship involved every single time? Imagine, if you will, a family with an income of $70,000 a year that spends 90000 a year, which puts an additional 20000 on credit cards every year, credit cards that already have balances of $450,000. And this family is arguing about whether or not to make the minimum payments. They are also arguing about how many new cars to buy this year. Does that family have a perfect credit score? In fact, they don't. Standard & Poor's was the first to downgrade the U.S. in 2011 after that debt limit fight. So the question isn't really why did Fitch downgrade the U.S., it is why hasn't Moody's followed suit as well? Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen scolded Fitch in response, saying, Fitch's decision does not change what Americans, investors, and people all around the world already know. Treasury securities remain the world's preeminent safe and liquid asset, and the American economy is fundamentally strong. But is that what the world really knows, Janet? If so, why are they slowly backing away from U.S. treasuries? Our two largest debt holders are China and Japan. They have both been quietly backing away from U.S. treasuries. Do they know treasury securities are safe and liquid? International holdings of US debt are down overall, dropping from 7.581 trillion to 7.527 trillion in May. Japan dropped its holdings from 1.127 trillion to 1.097 trillion, while China dropped from 868.9 billion to 846.7 billion. What are they buying instead? Well, you know, it's gold. This is critical for American savers and investors to follow because China and Japan are our bankers to a large extent. Up until recently, they have been very dependable about buying up all of the debt we can print. If they stop buying, we could see serious financial chaos here at home very quickly. If demand for our debt tanks, we have a few choices. Number one, our politicians can stop spending so much. Not likely, or we can accept that all of that debt will stay here at home and likely drive inflation at our grocery stores and shopping malls. A diminished value of the dollar means diminished value of your retirement savings as well. Will the events of today increase the burn rate of your retirement nest egg tomorrow? Are you in danger of outliving your savings? Central banks are adding gold to their reserves as a defensive mechanism against falling value of the dollar. The same move is available to you. That's all for this week for the Lyricast. Be sure and subscribe to the Lyricast on Spotify. It's going to be distributed in a few other places here coming soon. And don't forget, our number is 800-816-5452. Again, that's 800-816-5452. If you'd like to call and make your move into Precious Metals today... I will see y'all next time. Thanks for listening.
0: This has been the LearCast, a Lear Capital
1: production. Thank you for listening.